This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. Hey everybody, it's H, and welcome to the latest installment of Dune Pod, your one-stop shop to get ready for the new Dune movie. This week, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Jason. I go one, three, six, two, five, four. Wow. And by spiritual guide, Protolexis. Why are we doing this? And why are you <laughs> describing it the way you are, Herbert? Yeah. Why? On this episode, we complete our journey with the final book in Herbert's Septology, Chapter House Dune. We reflect on the entire journey, wrestle with the series' high points and shortcomings, and give our definitive rankings for each book. If you're enjoying the show, check out our Discord server where you can sign up to join us at the Dune Pod IMAX private screening of Dune on opening night in San Francisco. A link is in the show notes. And now, without further ado, Chapter House Dune. Welcome to the party. So, Proto, you were just saying how much you hate energy drinks? <laughs> I have a I have a love-hate relationship with them because yeah. they, you know, they sustain you while also maybe killing you. Yeah. I don't know. We know that hot dogs now take 35 minutes off of your life. How many minutes yeah. are is an energy drink taking off your life? Can we get a study? A friend of mine has a theory that any sort of caffeinated energy-giving drink it it gives you energy in the moment you consume it, but it is robbing future energy from you later on. Isn't that all drugs? Isn't that isn't that how they all work? I don't know. It's, I don't know if like <laughs> the conservation of energy is like a universal theory for drinks. That sounds like one of Newton's his forgotten laws. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Maxwell's Ener- the energy drink law. <laughs> Maxwell's theory of, uh, <laughs> of thermodynamics. <laughs> Oh my God! Well, Proto, welcome back! My God, this is it! it wow! It's it, the end of the road. We did it! How do you feel? How do you feel? How do you feel? Well, uh, <laughs> it, it's an accomplishment, you know, like. My uh, my Wikipedia page, it'll you know this will be one of the highlights. He read all six Dune books. Yeah, mm. Mm. <laughs> an accomplishment for a lifetime. I'm trying to remember when we first started talking about doing Dune Pod. Can't remember, but you you decided to go all the way through it at the beginning of 2020, and you were like burning through. Yeah, I think I've I read Dune twice. And then, yeah, I don't remember what initiated the whole read-through. I guess there was a – was it just me and you who were talking about reading through Dune before? Mm-hmm. I guess it maybe it was like the the whole – you know, just the movie coming out. It was like, oh, well, if I'm going to read all of these, now is probably a pretty good time. Mm. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, it was great for the first three books. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, our take on the final book in the series may shock you. Uh, well – we're going to get to that in the bottom of the hour, uh, but first off, let's just do some business here real quick. Mm. Next week on Dune Pod, one of us, not us, one of our one of our close and dear friends of the 70 millimeter slash tape deck slash paper keg crew has actually seen Dune. Mm? <gasps> one of us in this crew 
has actually spoken to Denny Villeneuve last weekend mm-hmm. about Dune, as well as almost every single other member of the cast. I am speaking, of course, of IMDb's Ian DeBorha. Wow. Wow. Making his triumphant return. Why isn't he doing why is why isn't he hosting this podcast? Like why <laughs> why 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 are we even bothering when we have so excellent such excellent energy available to us? Proto, your take. <laughs> Proto, why tell us why. Speak why for, speak for Ian. Uh, you know, th- these are all this is a great question. You know, why isn't Ian here? He was your producer. Yeah. He was your producer of your podcast and then was disgraced. Yeah, I mean he, he his priorities are out of whack. Yeah. Obviously. Mm. With these kind of connections, why isn't he like a, a weekly correspondent? Does he even care about yes. what you guys are doing here? Like I mean, he, we're he is- we're like trying to get like Sophie's dad is like maybe seeing Dune and we're like trying to hound him like in Toronto. No, Sophie's going. I know, I know. But like in the in the funnier version, Sophie's dad is gonna be like calling into Dune Pod next week. But meanwhile, Ian's like hanging out with Rebecca Ferguson and like, you know, smelling Oscar Isaac's armpit and not even telling us anything. It's rough. It's rough for us. Stay tuned. We're probably gonna have some some of the cast and crew on this podcast. Don't <laughs> don't you think? Yeah, by crew we'll have we'll have a best boy or a grip. The caterer. Yeah, a lot of key grips open for interviews. Yeah. Mm, mm, ready to talk about it. Well, so Ian, we had talked about having him come back to the pod. He did one of Jason's favorite films of all time and one of my personal favorite episodes of the podcast, No Country for Old Men. Oh, yes. Um, last year, I think it was episode five, maybe it was early days. Um, mm. But he, I asked him to pick a movie. He was originally going to do French Dispatch, but it got pushed mm. to now opening the same day as Dune and getting crushed under its wheels. Um, but he is going to be joining us next week to talk one of his favorite movies that is one of the most completely bonkers science fiction films ever made, Face Off. Yes. One of, one of just the best movies involving radical plastic surgery of all time. Mm. Wow. John Woo, Nick Cage, John Travolta. Proto, do you have a take? I've see, I've, I know I've seen this movie. <laughs> what I thought of it... Um, I don't know. I remember, you know, it's it's kind of confusing because one guy's the good guy, one guy's the bad guy, but then, spoilers, bad guy's now the good guy. And it's confusing <laughs> because you're like, did they did they, their soul swap bodies? Because they also have to impersonate each mm. other. I mean, you got John Travolta impersonating Nick Cage to some extent. Mm-hmm. It's a wild movie. Yeah. I might listen to this episode. Mm-hmm. Amazing. It's the the soul swapping question really does reveal the deep metaphysical questions that that face off that the face off movie raises. It's a real like ship of Theseus mm. situation mm. that we're going to get into next week. I'm excited about it. I have not revisited it since it first. I saw it in the theater and have not seen it in the whatever fifteen or twenty years since it since it came out. So looking forward to checking that out next week. Mm. All right. Well, let's just get into some Dune news. Would you like to know more? Dune news. Pretty big week. Yeah, it was it was a large, a large sized, extra large sized Dune news week. Yeah. Of course, we're talking about the fact that I received my copy of the 40th anniversary version mm. of, of wow. Frank Herbert's Dune, which is beautiful. Mm. Uh, this is a perfect presentation for an audio format because you can really appreciate all the colors on the cover as well as that teal spine. Mm. Look at that. Spice colored. Mm. Mm. 
It's just glorious. Is that it's Matt Griffin, I believe, with the artwork on the cover? No idea. But it looks great. I love it. I'm very excited about it. Pretty sure that's Matt Griffin with the artwork on that cover. Um, mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Nice. Proto, do you own a copy of Dune? I know you were checking them out for the library. No, I, I don't own a copy. I try to own as little physical media as possible. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, it's all going to be dust eventually. And especially with children, it just accelerates the process. Mm-hmm. So what's the point? Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Now I feel bad for owning this. I'm going to burn this now. So <laughs> Thank you. It didn't work out as I expected. Just recycle it. It'll be, it'll be fine. Um, well, so we also had, there was a little thing. There was the Venice Film Festival and Dune premiered. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that was a pretty exciting six-minute standing ovation. Eight. I saw, I saw today there was revised a, revised, <laughs> a revised minute count. Uh, they, they went to the official Omega timekeepers and it was revised up to eight minutes. Uh, they found literally, you know, 33% more minutes uh, in, the, in the final tally. So. They weren't looking at it correctly because it was a Harkonnen uh, fuck watch. And so they, like, didn't, they, they didn't read it correctly initially. That's so. right. That's right. The fuck watch you can't. It's not. It's not accurate. Uh, but yeah, that that it, it premiered. Uh, many people have now seen it, uh, and there was a whole like, and so the embargo lifted, and a whole bunch of reviews came in. Uh, the long story short on the reviews is that people are in general, in the main, very very hype. Uh, there's a lot of like five star reviews. There's a lot of superlative language out there about you know best science fiction movie in a generation, like you know like stunning effects like um there's there's a lot of discussion of like the middle section of the movie just kind of overwhelming people um with its kind of sensorial bombast um and Mm. yeah and like different people have like picked out different performances or things that they like um there are some naysayers um i think the biggest version of the naysaying is that because this is Dune Part 1, the movie ends somewhat unsatisfactorily because it's not the end of the story. And so after two and a half hours, it's kind of like, oh, like I guess we're just done here, um, which is going to be frustrating, particularly to non-book readers, people who don't know what happens next in the story, or you know who don't maybe, who wouldn't see why this is a natural break in the story. Uh, and so that's just going to stick out there. I also think it will be interesting given how much it's been talked about as like a, a visual feast and a spectacle and all that of like whether it, I think a lot of that strength will translate if people go to see it in the theater, which will, the people who are fans of it are encouraging folks to do. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's going to work. Uh, I don't know if seeing two and a half hours of this on, you know, in your bathtub uh, on your phone is going to translate exactly the same way. So that's what we learned from the Venice premiere. I will say just a couple of things. One, Dune is currently sitting at an 87% fresh on the tomato mm. meter uh, with 39 Delicious. reviews. So that's Delicious. pretty that's pretty strong. Um, Ian DeBorha will be called onto the carpet to answer for himself. His initial impression in the DMs was a four-banger. But oh, don't let's not his, reveal DMs. We're revealing DMs on the podcast. Wow. Wow. His 
his letterbox wow. official review that was in the heat of the moment coming out of the you know that initial press but um coming out and collecting his thoughts four and a half stars mm-hmm. an extra half star upon further reflection and he said he said i believe in his review that the the movie had increased in his appreciation as as he's thought about it more so and personally i round up all half stars so that's a five star review for that's me. a five star movie oh wow mm-hmm. wow yep. Or zero if, you know, you round down to, you know, between one and ten. So um, it seems real good is my overall uh, sense of it. And I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty excited. Can we talk outfits? Strong outfits at the premiere. Uh, Timmy wore a sparkly like velour type uh, mm-hmm. faux tuxedo situation. Priest collar, priest collar type vibe. Mm hmm. Uh, Zendaya really has been just wowing, uh, during the, uh, during the premieres in general, uh, cause she, they went from Venice to Paris. All of Zendaya's outfits have been amazing, but her outfit on the carpet or her outfit for the Venice premiere was a leather dress that looked like a Hellenic period, like Greek statue where like you get all of that, like hi- hyper detailing of the folds of the dress, uh, and just was phenomenal uh just a phenomenal looking dress beautiful emerald necklace um it's really it's really going great i'm excited for the weekly fashion segment of dune pod that we've developed but what about her what about her assassin's outfit in paris and then she went to paris and became an international assassin uh <laughs> is she's really she's serving looks out there uh on the old uh dune press tour it is working that that was quite that was quite exciting uh, Jason, any other Dune news that you have? I'm very confident about part two. I'm going to make a bold. I'm going to make a bold prediction here on this week's podcast uh, that part two will be greenlit uh, for sure, uh, and that it will be greenlit before um, the Oscars happen in 2022. Like it'll be happen before March of 2022. Wow! And I believe that's just because. Of the strength of the reviews, there's going to be just so many reviews that are, where people are like, this is the best thing ever. I think no one knows anything about how to measure performance in this environment, like box office notwithstanding. Like no one knows how to do the math of like, okay, well, what did it mean for subscriptions or whatever? And so you always there will always be a fudge factor that people can apply if they want to do the next one. Uh, and then three is I think they'll be nominated for a shit ton of technical Oscars. Uh, and so it will just be like ridiculous if a movie that wins like five Oscars across like, you know, makeup and visual effects and all those other things like doesn't get to make a part two. And so I feel very confident about part two based on how strong the Venice premiere went. Proto. So as long as it does everything but make money, it's going to get a part two. <laughs> as long as I, I think it- like because money doesn't really matter with these things, right? No, it, it, it has to make, it can't bomb. Like people have to go and buy some movie tickets, but even if it doesn't do like Shang-Chi money, like even if it doesn't do like Marvel money, it'll still be okay because they can like squint and wink at it. Like, like it, it just, it basically just needs to do quiet place part two money, um, which is I think pretty achievable. Do I, do I want to say that it's going to beat Shang-Chi's opening? Like, no, don't, don't, you don't want to say that. That's ridiculous. You don't want to go up against. You don't want to go against uh, Marvel. The Marvel. No. 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 All right. I mean, the, the, my my thing about this though is like the hype surrounding this movie at this point, and maybe it's because we're in you know Dune Pod 
circles. We're in the business. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're in the, the professional business. Dune business. <laughs> but it really does feel like the hype surrounding this movie is uh, really, really high. Like, I, I, what's a movie in the past, especially a sci-fi picture, that had this kind of lead up? Is there is there a movie that's like maybe? Uh, well, there's never been a movie. There's never been a movie this good, Proto. So I mean, that's like the. I mean, like Mikey points out in chat, probably like Force Awakens, probably like Episode Episode Seven, right? Like, yeah, or or maybe I guess so. But I feel like it has a Star Wars brand behind it, which is like different. Yeah, I, I guess like a you know, I mean, because Dune is different in the sense that there's been a previous movie, but it doesn't have. Yeah, you know, it's not Star Wars territory, right? Like maybe Lord of the Rings, mm. maybe like it hasn't been done definitively, just like Lord of the Rings hadn't been really done definitively. Um, but it does have, like, you just have to remember, they've sold like 20 million copies of this book. It is hugely well-known within a broad swath of culture. Um, and so I, I think that built-in base is going to be a huge thing. I also think, like, the international is going to save this movie, too, because I, I think, like, their marketing strategy of just look how many fucking people are in this movie and, like, what it, what a big spectacle it is is, is just going to work. Uh, and, mm. and, like, if, if nothing else, they'll they'll... They'll do it now. I do think the week two numbers might be a precipitous decline and like might be nope. alarming. Nope. Um, but we'll see. Nope. It's going to have a very small, a very small, less than fifty percent drop. Is my is my strong projection. All right. Well, let's let's go. Yeah, we're gonna like we're gonna replay this episode. Perfect. Uh, and see and see <laughs> how we do in predict in our in our predictions. Live by the sword, die by the sword. I guess we'll do we'll do a once we. Once we get a little closer, we'll do a final. We'll do an opening weekend box office prediction, mm. uh, and we'll see. We'll see how we do there. Proto, of course, will be seeing Jackass Forever uh, on opening day. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Taking the kids. Um, all right. So, Proto, do you have any Dune news? Uh, any Dune news? No. I mean, we covered it. I finished book six. You know, mm. what more do you want? That's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. What else do you want from me? Yeah, that's why I have to. I'm contractually obligated. I have to fulfilled be here. my obligation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Jason, what do you want to say about our new partnership with Amazon Music? I'm very excited about our partnership with Amazon Music. Uh, we are being featured by Amazon Music uh, this week uh, as a hidden gem podcast, which I think is an app description. Does that mean just, does it just mean tiny? It, it just means like glowing with an inner luster, like a fine <laughs> okay. opal, uh, but that has been buried in the sands. Yeah. Diamond in the rough. Obscured from view. An uncut gem. Uncut and, and hidden. Really That's- just deeply obscured. <laughs> yeah, we're excited to be promoted by them and we're excited to tell folks to listen to us on Amazon Music. Yeah, just say Alexa, play Dune Pod. Say that. And you'll and you'll get there. So check it out. And anybody joining us from having found us as a hidden gem, welcome. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We've been waiting for you. All right, let's announce quickly our new Discord members. We have a Discord server. It's free to join. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of great folks hanging out there. We have live chat every week when we do our episodes, people like Mikey P sitting in with us and, uh, and able to interact. And then we also just drop in links and talk and bullshit all the time. It's a, it's a lot of fun to be there. So this week, new members, Nelson, The Zap Gun, Treatum, Ang. Who's Ang? He's one of your homeboys. Eng is as Aaron, uh, who was with me at Andrew Askovich's house. Oh my when god! We watched the uh, when we Prince. watched the 
end of uh, the Star Trek season three finale. Oh, when Locutus, when Locutus became when Locut when Picard became Locutus, and we fell on the floor. Aaron and I were talking about it over text this week. Uh huh. Uh, and his description of it, I think, was apt. Was that our bodies were just not ready at that young age for something that <laughs> phenomenal? We didn't know that cliffhangers were possible, and mm. so when we were confronted with one, like our pubescent bodies collapsed and could no longer support us standing up your hair fell out started falling out at that point <laughs> it was amazing it was like the end of La raiders of the lost ark basically <laughs> that's amazing <clears throat> all right well welcome ang uh or aaron we've got uh the big gooey david r twetke sprague sandy lion and sean can iowa welcome to you all and thank you for joining us it's great to have you all mm. All right, are you guys ready? Let's go. Let's get it. All right, here we go. Oh my God, I'm so excited for this intro. Chapter House Dune is a desperate fight to stave off extermination and the collapse of humanity. The planet, once known as Dune, has been destroyed. Its surface and every living inhabitant consumed in the purifying fire of the invading horde of fierce women fighters called the Honored Matres and their ruler, the vindictive Spider Queen. From the center of Bene Gesserit power, the hidden world of Chapter House, Great Reverend Mother Darwi Odrade plays out one final gambit against this seemingly unstoppable force, wielding the pieces she has remaining. The last Duncan Idaho Gola, the greatest in history, who through sexomancy has reclaimed the memories of every previous incarnation for millennia. A 10-year-old reincarnated Gola of her own father, the legendary warrior Bashar, Miles Tegg. Sister Shiana, the long-prophesized new messiah who can speak to and control the last remaining worms smuggled off Dune and who are close to restarting their transformation of Chapter House into a new desert. And Mirbella, Herself, a captured honored matre, ensnared in a symbiotic sexual addiction with Duncan. Jesus. And newly indoctrinated into the ranks of the Bene Gesserit. Can Darwi set humanity on a new course, free from the web being laid to ensnare them as the walls relentlessly close in? Or will the Spider Queen secure checkmate with the complete eradication of Chapter House Doom? My guy. Yeah. Jeez Louise. Unbelievable. Woo! You know, I just want to say before we get started that uh, I feel a little emotional. I feel a little tender because <laughs> this is the conclusion of the hexalogic journey. And uh, it's just really been, it's just really been, a, it's really been great. Like, you know, this book actually, like, I don't, we'll get into our, I assume we'll get into our definitive rankings of mm. books one through six at some point. Mm. But I, I feel this book actually surprised me in a pleasant way as I was going through. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed reading it. I think part of it was the anticipatory nostalgia of concluding this journey. Mm. But I, I really did. I really did look forward to uh, I really did enjoy reading this one. Nice. How about you, Proto? Uh, you know, I took some time off between reading books five and six. 
and I, yeah, I feel the same way. It was nice to get back into the Dune universe and, uh, you know, spoilers, I guess. I liked six better than I liked five. Um, so we were trending upwards mm. as I was reading this book. So for yeah. me, that felt good. Yeah, that's right. Nice. Nice. The trajectory is strong. Awesome. Yes. And of course, cut short, right? So Herbert died after this book or mm-hmm. like, I don't, I didn't read the background of exactly when and when and where that all went down. Do you know, Jason? I mean, seemingly he died in the middle of a sentence. Like it, it seems <laughs> like, you know, it seems like he was like, you know, oh, and then, uh, <laughs> oh, trade. Like, you know, like, you know, it, it obviously ends very unsatisfactorily, but what can you do? Mm. You got to go. You got to go. Mm. Yeah. And so then the books, what was supposed to be the third book of the trilogy ended up becoming book sevens and eight written by uh, Herbert's son and, and company, um, which we will not be covering at this time. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to spend more time with our families. Yeah. Well, one thing that is cool about this, so let's let's get into it. One thing that's cool. Let's get into it. One cool thing about this universe and this story is the fact that Herbert frequently jumps forward through time. Um, we were talking about it with Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek Four. It was frustrating because two, three, four are all like run together, like no time passes, and mm-hmm. that happens sometimes in in Star Wars or other or other stuff where it's very little time passes. Um, so it's nice you have like eight. 10 years that have passed between heretics and chapter house and kind of the new, the new status quo is that the honored matres have destroyed 16 Bene Gesserit worlds and they're basically hunting them down to extinction. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have Dar kind of leading desperately the Bene Gesserit and dealing with all of that fallout. The setup for this story is great uh, because it starts with a established POV character in Odrade as the Reverend Mother, uh, you know, superior. And so you get this POV into the Benny Gesserit and how their shit is going, which is just great. Love seeing more of the Benny Gesserit and how their shit works. And there's lots of cool mm-hmm. how does the Benny Gesserit shit work in this in this book, which is awesome. Mm. Like how what are their politics and what's their management philosophy and do they use scrum and like all that stuff <laughs> is in there, which is great. <laughs> The sprints are like 800 years long, though. That's the challenge. Yeah, really long sprints. <laughs> the, but, and then also, though, the Bene Gesserit are getting their ass kicked. Like, they're, they're, like they're, at, they're not doing well. Like, it's going badly for them. And so to see the Bene Gesserit back-footed is also amazing. Um, so it's a great premise just from the jump. Like, just fantastic. And unlike a lot of the other... Dune, a lot of the other Frank Herbert books, there's not as much like kind of filler of like POVs that you don't really care about. Mm. Um, so it's it's a pretty well structured situation. Well, so we jump right out of the right out of the gate. We have you know Dar on Chapter House, which is the secret planet where they have like the center of the Bene Gesserit um, organization, and we also have introduction. And we're, again, we're not going to try and walk through all of this. We're going to sort of no. glom things together. But we we definitely have Miles Tag who was revealed that was the father of Dar and his previous incarnation, which was an old man who had been the Bashar forever, but who suddenly under interrogation by the honored Matres had like, 
like super speed, like the Flash, where he could move faster than anything, and he could tell where no ships were. He could identify the location of the secret ships that can't be detected by any means. Mm -hmm. So he's basically super powered, but he's killed on Dune by the Honored Montres at the end of Heretics. So they have a Gola, um, which was really a clone, apparently. They had some skin cells from something else before he died. Um, And so he's now being raised as a young man and getting ready to be reawakened. Yes, a very young man, a boy is a relevant detail, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. 10, yeah. For the book, yeah. Proto, what's your take on the Spider Queen uh, and the Honored Matres? Because we get a little bit of sense into into what they're up to. I love, yeah, I love them as a villain and a threat. I do think I would want a little bit more um, as to what they're all about. Mm-hmm. I guess there's no sense, really, in the book. Like, Herbert doesn't give much details as to why they are overpowering the Bene Gesserit or other planets. Um, I guess at the end, you know that, oh, they have some secret weapons perhaps, but is it just Mm -hmm. sheer numbers that they're overtaking these planets with? Mm -hmm. He doesn't really get into much of that. It's just kind of like, yeah, they're they're just kicking butt uh, and destroying planets and kind of mowing down the Bene Gesserit. Mm. And even... The, the, there's so there's some conversations with the Spider Queen. There's the one Bene Gesserit who's captured, right? Who's in front of her and eventually gets killed. Lucilla, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's bizarre because it's like, okay, the, the, you know, these honored mantras are just um, bulldozing the Bene Gesserit, but whenever they're like one on one, it just seems like the, the BG are outplaying them. Yeah. Like it's no contest when it's when it's like person to person. Right. Like they're they're light years ahead of it. So for me there's a little bit of like a disconnect. It kind of just felt like you know Herbert's like, "Well, they're just winning." Yeah. But we don't really know why. <laughs> it's classic Herbert where Totally. Well, first in in this book we do get our first and only space battle in all of the space opera of Dune. Mm, like there's true. finally a scene in which spaceships doing battle is described. But it's it's typical Herbert where the actual action of like the honored mantras obliterating the galaxy is all off page and not in any way seen, but you get just pages and pages of what meals Odrade yeah. likes to have her chef prepare. <laughs> or 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 the, the dangers of bureaucracy and why taxation is theft and like <laughs> how social security is just another form of control. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just like I mean, like the the philosophy stuff I put in a slightly separate bucket. I mean, it's hard to say which you know, pick your poison if you yeah. want like taxation is theft, or if you want like let me tell you about the egg that my chef like the whole thing there's a whole scene in which she goes and talks to the chef and they have this prepared bit where she wants to tell him how to do it and he knows that she wants to tell him how to do it but he's gonna let her tell him how to do it because that's just the kind of fun wacky relationship they have and it goes Mm. on forever Mm. uh but it's delightful. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's what you, it's what you're, you know, it's part of the journey after six books. You're like, Oh yes. Tell me more about the soup, <laughs> the oyster soup. Yeah. Oyster soup. That's, that's it. Yeah. Not surprised at all at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, we, we also have the follow-up. So one of the big threads in heretics was sister Shiana, uh, who at the time was this young girl who had come up and she could control the worms on Arrakis, um, and so they had got, she had become the head of the Fremen religion and then the BG swooped in and t- kind of took control and brought her in. And 
Dar took her under her wing. And so she is now a full Reverend Mother. Um, but she's also, she's kind of like in rebel mode. She doesn't feel like she owes anything to Dar specifically and is working with Duncan on some kind of secret plan. Um, yeah. And meanwhile, the Bene Gesserit left to do the scattering 2.0 where they're trying to flee the honored matres. But they talk about the fact that in the first scattering, which was a result of, of Leto and, and his death, um, not a single Bene Gesserit cell that went back ever reported back. Not one. Yeah. Yeah. They just go and like, you know, look, they're, they're having a fun time out there. It's like a, you know, you don't like call home when you go to Vegas for the weekend. You're just gonna, you're just gonna do what you're out there to do. And you're not, <laughs> you're not checking in with the Reverend Mother Superior about how it's going. The, 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 the Shiana, the Shiana thread in general remains the weakest in these last two books in books five and six. Like basically nothing that Shiana does is interesting from the moment she's introduced and through the end of book six or impactful. Agreed. Yeah. It's just like a bunch of bullshit that is off to the side. That's the, that's the weakest part. But on the plus side, we do get like a bunch of other like sort of random characters that are introduced that are really cool. Like one that I really liked is, um, Dortujla, mm. who is a reverend mother who was sent to like a punishment planet. Like she was like, you know, she talked back too many times in the synod or whatever. And so she got sent to like shit planet 427, <laughs> not shit planet 427. No. <laughs> yeah. It's a terrible assignment. You don't want to go to shit planet 427. <laughs> And she comes back and she's all fucked up because she's already run into the honored mantras, but she's there to tell him what she saw. And like, you know, all of her homies, all of her acolytes were killed one by one, but she's mm. like, you know, rugged and she, I love her. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. Um, so you get some good pickups, even though Shiana still sucks. We also have the introduction of Rebecca. Oh yes. The space Jew. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. This is complicated business. So it's revealed, it's revealed that the Jews still exist and that they were able to seemingly replicate spice agony and other memory uh, and other Bene Gesserit features. They're able to share memory, but without any schools, without any training, without the discipline, like what is the deal there? Never explained. Well, listen, I don't want to be speaking out of school <laughs> for, the, for the earth jewels <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> but it is rosh hashanah the truth is that we can do that already Shit. like we just oh, okay. don't like to really bring attention to it ahead of the curve <laughs> it is it is like so the 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 canon here is that uh the space jews have been known about by the Beni jesuit since the battle of corin mm. which is 10,000 10, years. years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, they've known, like, the mothers, like, it's been, like, you know, uh, top secret, you know, special classification of the Bene Gesserit intelligence order for 10,000 years that space Jews exist and, like, that they've got, like, an understanding that, like, the Bene, the BG and the space Jews have got, like, a, a cord of some sort. It was like, we know you're out there. We see what you're doing. Cool, cool. We're going to keep it cool. If you ever need anything, give us, like, the, you know, Shabbat Shalom and we'll let you in. Um, and like, that's, that's like, that's just what we're meant to come to accept in book six. Like we've never heard about this before, but now we're going to hear about it. It's a little wild. Yeah. I, I liked it. Like, I think it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And you know, why not? Like Herbert can do this. You know, you just add something in like surprise. This has been around forever. I just haven't mentioned it until the sixth book. Here they are. Yeah. Um, 
But then he also, I don't know, some of the way he writes scenes are just so confusing. There's this portion where it's the rabbi and Rebecca are in hiding, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, so they don't get killed. I could not make heads or tails of what the heck was going on in that scene. I, right. I, like all I'm envisioning is they're in some kind of like chamber beneath a hut waiting. There's some machine. Like what is going on? They were buried in a no ship or a no structure of some kind. A no chamber. Yeah. Yeah. That was underground. That was like a bolt hole for them to be able to use. Um, but then they're all, they had some cameras so they could see the honored matres running around up above them. Um, but then also they were using that as an opportunity to debate a lot about what is going on. And the fact that now that Rebecca has taken an honor, a, taken a Reverend mother, uh, Lucilla, and has her other memories, she's now starting to think like a Bene Gesserit and she's appreciating, she's like over dogma and religion and like the rabbi's bullshit with his Torah. <laughs> and she, she's like, that can all be blown away. And we got to like be like, we have to adjust to circumstances on the ground, kind of like science. And she's like, that's how the BG work. They just focus on what do you need to do in order to have things be successful. It is funny that your comment proto is like I had a hard time like imagine like visualizing where they were how this worked where it's like it's literally Jews hiding in a basement like, it's <laughs> yeah like, it's yeah like, <laughs> yeah after I said that I was like hmm, actually this sounds familiar <laughs> it's a, like it's a bit of a trope uh, <laughs> but like I mean in general I will say as the chief Jewish correspondent for Dune Pod like I, like and, and we've said this before like I was a little nervous to revisit the space Jews I think the space Jews are presented totally fine like there's nothing Mm. like anti-semitic or like kind of you know i think culturally questionable in my view of this stuff like it i think at one point one of the space jews is revealed to be a doctor and that's a little funny but like aside (laughs) from maybe aside aside from that like i think it's like it is an interesting way for herbert to like sort of tackle another like theological religious concept and like it allows him to do it as you said within this debate between him and uh, between Judaism and the Bene Gesserit. It is a little weird. I think at some point the rabbi is literally waving the Torah at his daughter. That's a little much. Yeah. yeah, Um, yeah. But you know, it's, it's fine. It's, it's great. It all works out fine. Agree. Another character that I love in this is the, the Sightail character. Yes. Um, So he's like the last. I hate Sightail. Go ahead. Really? So like, so, so there's whole, this whole subplot that, doesn't lead anywhere, but he's like the last <laughs> remaining uh, Talaxu, um, who has uh, he has uh, you know copies of like all of his brethren, and then a bunch of other important people. Paul, and he has and- you know he's baiting you know he's biding his time, he's waiting, he's waiting, you know he's gonna make a move at some point. And the book ends and nothing comes of it. And I thought this was actually a really cool angle that like something could have happened. But this is this is my main problem with this book. And my problem with the fifth book is that it once again, it feels like the whole book is written for the final you know few chapters. There's mm-hmm. when, when you compare it yes. to the first book or really the, the first the first three books where there's many moving parts and, you know, um, a lot of action and, you know, uh, just uh, important moments. In this, there really isn't much that happens until the end. Mm-mm. And there's all these things that these loose threads that lead to nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, maybe, you know, maybe he was, you know, he had plans for the seventh book or whatever. Um, 
but you, you just never get it. And it's, it's really, I don't know. It's, it, it's really not satisfying when you get to the end of the book and, and none of this mattered. Yeah. I mean, like the, like it definitely there's no payoff. The, the, I mean, I think, you know, spoiler alert, the idea that does get paid out in book seven and eight is that the Nolan trippy capsule that Sayatel has, they do use like those cells to bring back all the characters from like Paul comes back and there's two Pauls and like, you know, there's like, you know, they, they bring back everybody. Baron Harkonnen comes back. Like everybody comes back. It's a big, <laughs> like, you know, it's basically like How a musical when there's like a reprise, <laughs> like everyone comes back to sing like, you know, one more day. Um, and, but, uh, anyway, it's, it's, like it, it doesn't get it doesn't get paid out. I do like the depiction of Sight. To Matt's point, though, I think Sightail himself is is fun, and it's fun to see Sightail as a point of view character. No, that is not my point. That's the opposite of my point. Oh, you don't like that? Proto's making the point. I thought Sightail, like all he does is complain that he wants servants so that he can have a more relaxed life. Like that's that's the extent of his ambition. Um, and I get it. His people have been exterminated and he's the last remaining to Lelaxu, but like, it's not like he's pushing for some noble purpose. He's just pissed <laughs> that he used to have a lot more fun. I'm sorry. Silly Oswald's now doing lyrics to one Dune more. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dune, yeah. you hear the people sing. <laughs> <laughs> Dune, you hear the people sing is strong. That's this is one. good. I'm going to add this to my musical, my Dune musical. <laughs> I, I guess I think, I think Saitel, there's a lot to stri- like written about like how he's like a, he's a, he's a little person and he's got like kind of devilish impish features and like, he's always trying to hum at stuff. I, uh, I thought all that, I thought all that was good. Ugh. I don't know. Uh, do we want to talk? Let's talk about, let's talk about something else. Good. Sure. What do you got? I had Lucilla versus I had the whole Lucilla versus the great honored Matre scenes. Sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. I love these. Mm. I love Lucilla gets captured. She downloads. She had Lucilla has the memories of the horde of Lampada. Uh, like, you know, like some huge number of Benny Jesuits in her head. She downloads them to Rebecca and, and gets, and the price of that is she gets captured. Uh, and she's turned over the honor mantras and she's basically being chained up in sugar wire, um, when in the great honor mantras chamber, uh, and it's her, the great honor mantra and a futar, which is a genetically engineered beast thing, uh, that's been bred, we believe to hunt modern mantras, but the honor mantras have co-opted them and now they're using them to threaten, uh, Lucilla. And it's like, if you don't, but they talk like, they talk like cats in sentences like cats, for instance. Well, talks, cats don't talk, Matt, so I don't know what cats talk like. Like cat people talk. Go ahead. Give us some samples, Jason, of like what. Like, like you know, like, what, does he call himself futar? Like I futar don't. Hung, yeah, futar so, hungry. Yeah. Futar want eat pretty lady. Right. Like that's like basically what they do. Okay. It's not, maybe not the fully most fully developed Dune concept. But anyway, <laughs> so then Lucilla and the Great Own Mantre have this like chapters long like philosophy off where Lucilla's trying to figure out like the right things to say to the great honor Matre to like kind of, you know, keep the conversation going and not get killed by her. Uh, and like they're feeling out each other's like sort of philosophical approach to things. Um, and it's basically like Plato's Republic meets the movie saw, like she's in like a death trap. And if she chooses like the wrong path, like in discussing like her theory of like how business meetings should work or whatever, uh, how like you should set an agenda for like a board meeting, she will get eaten by the futar. Um, it's great. I love it. I love all that stuff. This did have, I think one of Herbert's biggest political points in the entire series where Lucilla says the first rule of democracy, 
No laws restricting juries. Yeah. Such laws are stupid. It's astonishing yeah. how hu- stupid humans can be when acting in small, self-serving groups. And and to me, this kind of struck this overarching theme of Herbert saying, bureaucracy is bad, leadership is bad, and what happens is you have concentration of power and aristocracy and um, oligarchy. That that's the danger. And so that should be avoided to the greatest extent possible. He actually even says like a feudal system is better because it's easier to throw down than an entrenched bureaucracy. So, I mean, I don't know. It's an interesting concept. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's terrible. Let's just, let's like, you know, in case like this, uh, this, this podcast ever comes up and senate confirmation hearings. it's terrible like, yeah, like I, that's not like that's not like we do not endorse the theory that democracy is less preferable to a feudalistic system um i mean and what he is and like as a like thought he, experiment i meant what I he is advocating mm-hmm. for is essentially some version of like objectivism or he is he's kind of getting pretty close to the ayn randian mm. line here where like it, like the version that he he he's very fearful of strong leaders. We know that from previous books. And what he's layering on top of that is this concept of the tyranny of the minority massed in the rule of the majority. The idea mm. that what systems eventually kind of establish is the, is that you in theory have this democratic system, but there's an elite uh, there's an elite that control the uh, bureaucracy, uh, and so that minority actually. Uh, suppresses the will of the majority. And uh, the only thing that really works instead is, yeah, like pure democracy in which you've got like, yeah, juries and just pure voting that can subvert any kind of precedent, which obviously wouldn't work. Like that just obviously like doesn't actually work in any sort of scale. Um, But that's what he's going for here. Unless maybe Mm. you perhaps have the collective memory of tens of thousands of people to reference their experiences of the past. Right. Which of course is kind of like the foil of the Bene Gesserit. It was like, well, they have this system and it kind of all works out great for them. Somehow they've been managing to, you know, sustain this, you know, uh, this government with it within them and, and it works somehow. Mm -hmm. Mm. Like they've got their proctor class and the proctors can pass whatever laws they want. And, yeah, they get they they have they basically have no system of legal precedent. It's just like whatever people decide at the time, right? And they also have this notion of they have the codex, uh, which they teach the initiates when they first show up. But they're like nobody actually believes this shit. We just want you to read it so that you get a sense of it, <laughs> right? And then we're going to replace it as needed at any time to adjust to conditions on the ground, which is kind of smart, right? All right, well, so let's get into Duncan now. Yeah. So, so we have Duncan Idaho, who, you know, arguably one of the coolest characters in fiction, in science fiction, the idea of a heroic figure in the first book who is killed and then is reincarnated in the second book, which is very cool, and then is reincarnated over and over again for four, 5,000 years. Um, and now we have the last remaining Duncan Idaho, and he... Through the sex duel that he had with Marbella, he gained access to all of the memories of every Duncan that has ever existed, Mm. um, which is kind of cool. And then he's also now like seeing through time and space and this net of reality um, kind of seemingly between universes. And so he keeps seeing this net vision 
And then he sees two old people, ordinary old people, gardeners, kind of hanging out and trying to figure out like who they are and what's going on. And they can see him as well. And so you definitely have this question of whether or not he has become the Kwisatz Haderach, which is an interesting idea. Like he's not from the breeding programs. He wasn't part of the Bene Gesserit plan. Um, I think his genes were certainly messed with many times by Leto. Is that the assertion? Or the Tilaxi, right? I mean, there was like, right. they, they were making, they were doing little add-ons mm. to Duncan along the way too. Like sometimes he would come as a Mentat or whatever. And like, um, so there are all these, yeah, all these changes. Right. They had said previously that they had made their own Kwisatz Haderach in, um, yeah. in Messiah, which like they didn't quite describe what happened to that person. That's in a book. You can read. You can read that if you want. And if I remember correctly, this book ends with the two old people mm-hmm. in the vision. Yeah. I, and yeah, I, I wasn't really tracking what was going on there. And honestly, I didn't really care to like figure it out. Yeah. Mm. So if you read the Wikipedia pages, which is <laughs> like where you have to go, the the old people that Duncan's seeing that are holding the net are in this book, like most likely meant to be by Frank Herbert, um, face dancers that like got away from their, from their Tilaxu masters. Cause there's a throwaway line in there somewhere. It's like, Oh, like, you know, I hate, ta- I hate talking to those masters because they're always humming at us. And like, that's like how the, mm. they control the face dancers. So we're pretty clearly meant to believe these are face dancers that went into the scattering that achieved like, you know, Godhood super, yeah, super godhood by, you know, being able to reincarnate themselves and, like, forgetting that they were subservient to the Lexu Masters and all that stuff. Well, note that uh, the Spider Queen on Junction, she complains about, quote, the ones with many faces who created right. the Futars. Right. Um, and they are the enemy that has driven the Honored Matres back into the old empire because they're fleeing them. Right. Ah. Yeah. Now that, that now that I think is a really interesting idea in this book, which is that it's established several times that the honored mantras came back because there was something scary to them out there that they are mm-hmm. running from. Like they're not just coming back to wipe out the BG for shits and giggles. They are running from some greater threat. Now in Chapter House, that is pretty clearly established as like the face dancers that the face dancers of the scattering that broke away from their Tealaxu masters. In the subsequent brian herbert books that's established as an uh a runaway ai uh like they built thinking machines again and the big bad of the last books ends up becoming um the return of thinking machines mm. and so there's kind of like a retconning that happens with marty and the other one in which they become part of the ai in the subsequent in the subsequent books mm. uh as opposed to the breakaway face dancers but whatever it's to proto's point it's it's not established. It's it, you can essentially write fan fiction about what you want those to be because we didn't we didn't get there in this book. Mm. I want to talk about just Duncan a little bit more. So he's got Marbella, and they have an interesting relationship mm-hmm. uh, in this book. She's the honored Matre who he captured. She attempted to sexually dominate him with her secret techniques and her 327 levels of whatever. And he played the Uno reverse on her. <laughs> draw four. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, she had to draw four. Uh, you can guess where the four came from. But they, um, they like, so they have, like, now a codependent, sexually addictive relationship where it's, like, basically they have to bone, like, on the regular or they both go a little nutty is basically what's established. I I would say, like, with the one exception that I'm sure we'll get to in a minute, 
this is maybe Herbert's best sex writing uh, of the series. Like, mm. I, I think the Marbella Duncan relationship is like sort of done in like a, you know, there's a wind in the curtains and we pan out through the window. Like, you know, like it, it, mm. like we, it doesn't get into the 715 variations very much. It's it, it's it's more kind of normal, like a human might who had had sex might have relayed these events. <laughs> uh, so I, I thought that was I'm going to put that in the plus column for Chapter House. Seems good. Yeah, I agree. I think it's in a yeah, the, their relationship is compelling and yeah. interesting and the way they they relate to each other almost as if they have no choice like they're bound to each other they love each other but they're also like hey we, this is our only option as well because of our past together it's pretty cool i liked it as well and there's the whole thing where she's like supposed to become a reverend mother right and he's like worried about like you know what will that mean like you know will you survive the spice agony what will that mean for our relationship and like it, it's this it, it's an interesting conflict in the story yeah and and so they have had three children they've been trapped on a no ship for 10 years they've had three children that the bg have always taken away um, but Marbella has been undergoing the training and towards the end of the book, she undergoes the spice agony. So I just want to read this portion here for some classic Herbert. The thread is she's, she's deep into the spice agony. Now the thread no longer was stretching. It was pulling back, compressing. It became one small thing, a sausage of yeah, such exquisite pain that nothing else existed. The sense of being became vague, translucent, transparent. Do you see? The voice of our Moalata guide came from far away. I see things, not exactly seeing, a distant awareness of others, other sausages, other memory enclosures in the skins of lost lives. Mm. They extended behind her in a train whose length she could not determine. Translucent fog. Amazing. These are the sausages that you, each, <laughs> each life that you consume reduces your own life by 35 minutes. Woo. <laughs> 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 oh, man. And, and the big realization of the... Ben this, to me, was actually an interesting piece. The big realization of the Bene Gesserit is that they have committed atrocities that would make the Otter Matres quail. When they go back and they look through other memory, they see history, like the survivors are the ones who've done the horrible things. Right. So right. Um, she glimpsed the grail then, and it was not a thing, but a question, how to set those balances aright. Mm -hmm. That's kind of cool. That is cool. Do you have any um, sexy passages to read? I don't. Art That's it. Art no, has no. requested some sexy passages. I mean, sausage is as close as I as close as I can get. All right, That's as close as we're getting tonight. I guess we do have to talk about though the fact that we should just talk. We should get it over with. Oh, I guess we do. Yeah, we're in the segment, so let's go ahead and do it. Okay. So the one of the more unfortunate things that happens in any Dune book. Uh, I think it's the worst thing that happens. It's the worst. Absolutely it's, the it's, worst. It's, like, I'm, there's, I don't think, I don't think any other books involve child rape. So anyway, Miles Tag previously established as 10 years old. They need him to wake up from being a goal and realize he's the Bashar so he can command the Bene Gesserit fleet uh, and also, you know, activate whatever superpowers Miles Tag has. All seems totally reasonable. That's totally fine. They should they should get on with that. When when Duncan was awoken from being a Gola, Miles Tech just beat the shit out of him. That's right. like that's smacked the him way in the they face. Yeah, smacked him around, caused him pain. For reasons 
that really aren't clearly established. The way they decide they have to awaken young Miles Tag is by having um, Siona uh, have sex with him. Shiana. Sorry, Shiana. And that's just a tough one, man. That's a that's that that's just you can't. I just don't think you can do that. I don't, I don't think that should be in a book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, completely unneeded. There's no explanation for why it needs to be this way. Why can't Duncan wake him up like the other right. ones? Why, why does right. why are we doing this? And why are you <laughs> describing it the way you are, Herbert? Yeah. Why? Yeah. You could have. You definitely. This is like again my previous point. You could have gone to like the window out the curtains blowing the breeze you don't have to have the lines like shiana touched his penis like that that it's just not necessary yeah. uh and, and just shouldn't shouldn't be done it should should be a thought crime <laughs> it's a tough one yeah it's a tough one all right well so <laughs> a couple tough things we've come to we've spent like uh <laughs> seven episodes because we did two episodes on the first book and we have a whole podcast dedicated to this series and now we've gotten to the end and we have to apologize for the child rape and like the taxation is theft parts of <laughs> The, the the Herbert worldview. So anyway, thanks for joining us. <laughs> thanks, Amazon. <laughs> Dune pod in shambles. It's a tough. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. It's a tough one. I think it's a. I think it's a really dumb idea. Um, but I'm thrilled to have uh, Miles back. Yes. Right. So now you have this ideal of Miles has all of his memories back. He has his superpowers. He knows how to detect no ships. But of course he can't tell anybody because the whole concept is the Bene Gesserit in the fight of their lives for very survival, they still don't trust Duncan or Miles because they think either one or both of them are the Kwisatz Haderach. So they have to sort of try to work together. And Duncan, meanwhile, is like having dreams of like, inventing weapon systems uh, and mm-hmm. like doing all these crazy innovations and again, seeing through the net. So we have who's putting those memories into his head. Where are they coming from? Is it him? Is it, uh, you know, Marty and the old uh, Marty and the guy through time or whatever. Like that's all, that's all quite weird. <laughs> that's the name of the seventh book is Dune Marty and the guy <laughs> through time. It's, it's a weird title. Uh, yeah. All that, all that's a little tough, but it all pays out on the end. One other weird thing, though, is that after Miles Tag has his, his his awakening, he's carried around on the shoulders of uh, Streggy, uh, Streggy, which is just a, a couple amazing things there. First of all, her name is Streggy, which sounds like a Land Before Time character. Yeah. Two, uh, like, why does he have to ride her piggyback everywhere he goes? It just seems like why is she his conveyance? Proto, do you have a take? It's weird, uh, but I mean, it's, 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 it's super weird, but to me, it kind of works in the Dune universe. I was like, yeah, this, this makes sense. I can, I can see like a, you know, a five-year-old kid or however old he is, is like up on her shoulder. I kind of, I, I envisioned him like perched on the one shoulder, like not like riding, you know, uh, over both shoulders, but just kind of like, you know, uh, like casually on one side and just like pointing the troops in this direction, in that direction. I loved I loved how just Miles Tag talking to his would be daughter who is you know Mother Superior at this point mm-hmm. um, as you know as a child that's kind of you know uh, like a head scratcher um, mm. but a, a cool concept as well. Mm. Okay, so the ne- the I will say before it gets the unsatisfactory ending, like the it just stops in the middle. There's a pretty good run like towards the end where it's like they agree to go 
meet the honored matres. Like Odrade's gonna fly out to Junction. Yeah, to Junction and meet them face to face. Uh, and like pretty much everything that happens in that section is is pretty dope. Let's talk about it. Let's let's get into that for a minute because that that actually is by far I think the best part of the book. What did you What did you like about it, Matt? I, I love the fact first of all. So Odrade ha- uh, takes Marbella's memories mm-hmm. so that she a has Marbella inside so that she knows how to deal with the honored matres. Mm-hmm. But also that's where we get the confirmation that the honored matres are in fact an offshoot of the fish speakers, uh, Lido's guards and the Reverend mothers that they sort of merged mm-hmm. um, in the scattering and became the honored matres. So that is actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then I also love this notion of them kind of getting set. Odrade goes and lands on the planet and they basically make her wait in a hotel for her to oh be able to, to meet with the Spider Queen. Amazing. Go ahead, Proto. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, the, it, it's basically the Bene Gesserit just criticizing how they handle guests arriving on their planet as if they're in like a hotel <laughs> lobby. This And this, yeah. is, this is like the climax of the book. And there's like a five page <laughs> scene of them talking about this. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I have the, I had my note on this section where uh, Odrade. Uh, Tam and Dort Dortujula have to stay at a bad hotel and leave a bad Yelp review. <laughs> like, like, it's literally like, well, isn't this just something? Like the lobby is so shabby, and I've just never been treated this way. And no one was here to offer us a welcome drink, and it's just like so like petty and ridiculous. Love it, love that, love mm. that stuff. Mm. It's the random parts of like it's the random parts of Dune. Like it's like this and went in heretics where miles tag like goes into a restaurant where it yeah. just like said yeah. or like where the soup was excellent <laughs> yeah and like where um uh whoever and uh the old bashar who got killed get um get, uh, get like go out uh, on a date like it's just these weird scenes of like kind of familiar domesticity or whatever you're just like what did, how did we end up here this is just very strange bizarre uh but yeah i love it love that stuff you also have the Battle of Gamu, right? So, so mm-hmm. Miles leads a force um, using Duncan's new Holtzman shield generators that are tiny that they can put in space and basically trick the Honor Matres into shooting them with laser guns and then erupting um, and killing a chunk of the fleet to drive them back to Junction so that they can then hammer them at Junction. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a couple of things going on. So you have Dar and her big showdown with the Spider Queen, which again is similar to the Lucilla thing. They're kind of like debating and kind of not trusting each other. And you it's not clear who has the upper hand there. Yeah. Until. Until. Do it. Until, until she's offered the drinks by, you know, the Spider Queen's yeah. assistant comes up and gives them wine, which they, you know, they both drink or. No, they both drink. They both drink. And Odrade senses that there's a immediately senses there's a poison in it. Right. Uh, and so does the Benny Jesuit. You can't poison me. Ah, I've got my moves. Um, uh, but the spider queen doesn't have, doesn't have those moves. Doesn't have those. moves. She did. She had not, she had not spent her, her life building up a tolerance to Iocane powder and it goes badly for her. Yeah, so she's dead, and then there's a new Spider Queen, basically, Lanyo, who'd been kind of like Lanyo. hanging out the whole time, kind of pissing off the Spider Queen yeah. and, and threatening to kill her. But then you have Marbella watching this attack unfolding as the Bene Gesserit successfully just like storm across the battle face of 
junction and just kill everybody, right? Or dominate everybody. Yeah, this is classic Herbert again, where it's like there's finally action, but like it's opaque. Like it's not entirely clear what's happening. I think some of it is like Miles Tag is the Bashar and he can see no ships. And so that's just sort of like checkmate. Like you're, you know, if you can see through the, if you can see through the cloaking shit, then, you know, they didn't know anyone could do that. So you're fucked. But then there's also this weird allusion to they win the battle and then uh, there's a bunch of dead people, but there's, they're not bleeding like it's unclear how they died they just fell in place and it's like some mysterious weapon was used and how did it what was it and how did it work but then it's a fake uh because tag and odrade are still alive um you thought that they were dead but then Mirbella kills lanyo yeah um and then an outer military kills odrade yeah um although Mirbella is able to take her memory um, but this is where we finally get the real revelation of the plan. And this is like Herbert loves to hold back the big thing of what's happening until the very last moment. Right. And that is that she is now the great honored Matre, Mirbella, the great honored Matre and the mother superior. So she is merging and fusing the Bene Gesserit with the honored Matres to make one super group. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She, she, she forms like Voltron, uh, <laughs> And it's I like that description. I like that whole scene where she, where Mirbella is faster than even the honor Matre is, but she's not fast enough to save Odraid from getting kicked in the kicked in the temple. Bummer for her. Mm. Yeah, she kills some. She does like just straight up house some people though, just to like show them Mirbella's pretty badass here. Oh yeah, yeah. I will teach you, but you better listen. Yeah. So a couple of people try to step to her. She's like, I'm gonna show you my kicks. You think <laughs> you're gonna fucking sneak up on me? I'm gonna. You're going to get kicked. Mm. She does have to give up on Duncan, though, and she knows that, right? That's part of the part of the deal. But so she heads back to Chapter House, and she's beginning to take power. At that same moment, Duncan and Shiana have taken control of the no-ship, and they basically blast off of Chapter House uh, with Miles mm-hmm. uh, and the three of them and another smattering of other people who are there. Um, and they take off and suddenly it says, Idaho watched his projection. They were there, the old couple in their garden setting. He saw the net shimmering in front of them, the man gesturing at it, smiling in round face satisfaction. And basically they try and grab Duncan and the ship using whatever powers they have. And Duncan is able to jettison all the data and blast away so that we're an unidentifiable ship in an unidentifiable universe. Idaho said, isn't that what we wanted? The end. I guess so. <laughs> What's, I can't remember the last line, whatever Marty and the guy say. They got away or something like that. <laughs> I would. We'll see you for book seven. It's something like they got away. I don't know. At that point, it's kind of a bummer. But like everything, there's a really good run in the middle here. Like where they're, the plan's getting in action and they stay at the shitty hotel. And Miles is kicking of, ass. There's lots. Of, there's both asses being kicked and kicks being kicked it's just there's it's there's some good shit in the middle middle third Mm. yeah (laughs) anything we missed i mean i I do have to say though you well that the 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 thing with the secret weapon Mm -hmm. so yeah ben jesserit are dying there's no blood i actually had to go back and reread this section because i thought did i did i miss something right uh and like like jason was saying it is so opaque the the way herbert writes some of this stuff where 
I don't know. He just at points he just like leaves out details where it's like this is this is the fun part. Why aren't you why aren't you giving us more details? You know, what is the weapon? Like give it yeah. give us something. It's just that they died, no one knows why. They have some kind of weapon. The end. Um and it kind of just I don't know. Some of that just drives me crazy in these books. They did say it was um they did say it was a biological weapon and the big thing was that in in the past they had the ability to recharge it. And they've lost the ability to recharge it here. So that's, they have to, they, it's a one-time use for them. And that's why they're trying to make sure that they do it the best way that they can. But I think they weren't expecting Miles and Duncan to be as capable in taking out so many of them in the midst of it. it it's, it's like the, the weird thing about, about Herbert and some of this stuff is that you have to go to a fucking wiki page to find out what the actual plot points were because it's not it's not actually in the book like in on if you go to like dune.fandom.com you can find out that like there is a weapon it's called the obliterators you can like find out like how the obliterators work and like all this fucking shit about it Mm. but it's like you know like is that what reading a book is is a reading a book (laughs) that like you like you like read a story and then and then after you're confused about how the story ends you have to go consult like you know some some fan run wiki pages that doesn't seem it just doesn't seem like how it should be done i don't know mm. i'm i'm a traditionalist i believe that it should be on the page i stand with you jason thank you proto uh all right so final final thoughts and review on chapter house i think we should do our rankings i think this is i think we should get into the I think we should do our one through six rankings as a way of getting into the chapter house. Okay. Synopsis. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. I'll go first. Okay. Go, go first. You go first. One, two, three, six, five, four. One, two, three, six, five, four. Yeah. I think, I think Dune itself is a masterpiece. Um, Absolutely incredible. And such a great marriage of adventure story, science fiction, ecological tale, and, uh, just a rip roaring, uh, you know, just a fun, amazing book to read. Intense to get into, it really goes for it. Two subverts the whole genre and flips it on its head and gives you the payoff of heroes are dangerous. Mm-hmm. Three really terrific and takes it in amazing new directions and sets up an entirely new world, but begins to have a little bit fraying and the final ending of Leto having been taken over by. <clears throat> one of his uh, personalities so that basically he's become a bad guy mm-hmm. is a bit of a downer. Six has got pretty good, you know, exciting stuff that happens in it, but is definitely mired. Five is a sexy mess, uh, like that is not titillating or interesting um, and just generally boring. And then four is not a book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Proto, you're our guest. What, uh, you, you, you can take it. Go next. All right, I'll go... I'm going two, one, three, six, four, five. Wow! F- wait, four before five. Wow! There's a lot of contra. There's a lot of yeah. a lot of flavor in. There. I let's let's start with Messiah. Let's start with two up front, please. May, maybe it's because um, it's just fresh in my mind, and I had read the first one before, so I knew the story mm-hmm. when I was rereading. But reading two, uh, I, I just loved everything in there it it just amazing the the, the uh, what he where he went with the story and how he just you know what do you do with a god character who can see the future how, how do you subvert uh his power um 
and his arc as a character, Paul, is is just the to me is the greatest thing in in the whole series. And then how how it ends in three is amazing. Um, I I just love that book. Mm. Uh, it has my favorite scene. I, we were talking about this on um, the Discord the other day. But my favorite scene in any of the books is when Paul first meets the Gola, D- the Duncan Gola, where the the Telexu mm. bring him into the throne room. To me, I was just like blown away at that scene. How cool it was! Like that concept of the Gola, I didn't know about it until that 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 point. Mm-hmm. Um, I just loved it. Uh, having yeah four before five, you know, so six four five. I, I still love Leto as a character. I mean, giant worm god, you know, emperor is still pretty cool. I just five five was just the hardest book for me to get through. Mm-hmm. I just did not enjoy pretty much anything about that book. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason. I, at least you know, um, worm god was is a pretty cool idea. Mm. So that's my that's my ranking. That's great. I love it, Jason. I. I go one, three, six, two, five, four. Wow. I think six is, I I personally have a problem with Messiah, even though I like the genre subversion stuff. I just don't find it very fun to read. Um, and I love three, obviously. And I think this is the best one after three. Hmm. Um, like, I, I really... I really like a lot of the shit that's in there. I even though I don't agree with the politics at all, and I think it's probably dangerous. Like uh, I think it's interesting to see all of the Benny Gesserit theory, like how they run their shit. I love all that stuff, mm. um, and I think like the actual like sort of you know Benny Gesserit on honored Matre violence is fucking great. Like both the Lucilla <laughs> versus uh, Spider Queen and Spider Queen versus Odrey. Love all that stuff. Um, and yeah, if not for the Duncan stuff, if not for the miles tag sex stuff, it would be just a, uh, it would be a, a well, you know, a flawless victory mm. uh, and the fact that it ends so disappointingly, but yeah, interestingly, just as a side note. So I really like this book. Um, crystal is now through children and reading emperor, God emperor. Holy now. moly. Yeah. Wow. Really, mm. really going for it. How's she doing with it? She so her ranking, I believe, is like of of the three that she's completed. Three, two, three, one. Two, one. Mm. Yeah. Wow. She likes she likes children. She like it's gotten better and better for her. Um, so she's about to fall off. Like <laughs> steep uh, but um, but yeah, you know that's great. That's it. Just shows there's something for uh, something for everyone in it. All right. Well, we did it. Yeah. We did it. Uh, we are now released from that burden. Oh, my God. And let's get into let's get into some letters. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. First up, Sophia Jones. Oh, Sophia Jones is back. Sophia, we've not heard from you for a while. Here we go. It's, a, it's only been like three weeks. Sophia's a, a regular correspondent. She is terrific. She says, hey, Dune Pod. I am finally almost caught up and was super psyched to find out that the next episode I have to listen to is Mulholland Drive. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. She says, I watched it recently and I desperately need someone to help me process that film. Brilliant. Mm. But probably should not have started it so late that I finished that almost fever dream like movie at 3 a.m. I sincerely wish I could join you all at the Dune premiere, but unfortunately, I live nowhere near San Francisco. 
I hope you guys all have an amazing time, and I will surely buy tickets as soon as they are available near me. Mm. Can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the movie when it finally comes out. Keep it up, Sophia. Uh, we mentioned that we you can still sign up for the uh, for the premiere by joining our Discord. How many tickets do we have left, Jason? We're we're pretty close. We're like at under a hundred tickets left, um, which you know that's a lot. But like you know, we're gonna cut it off at some point so we can make sure um, everyone that we can send you know. Uh, confirmations uh, the folks who've gotten in um mm. so people can make travel arrangements and things like that vaccinations um, the other thing is yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah get your get your shots proto will you be will you be getting your booster shot before you come to the premiere or what how does that work well as long as i can get my still suit made in time yeah uh, how's you, how's your coming along is it is it is it done yet done Beautiful. I spend a lot of time I finished uh, last reprocessing weekend. urine and feces <laughs> for my household. The urine and the feces and the thigh pockets? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's what you need for a movie theater, right? Mm-hmm. It's two and a half hours. So First desert, then movie theaters. Still suits. Yep. Yeah. Well, the good news is we don't have to watch any trailers. We just we start the film immediately as a private screening. So that's a, that's a plus. That's a plus. The, we've also raised now $1,410 for mm. Compass Family Services. Yes. A nonprofit organization here in San Francisco helping the unhoused become homed. Uh, and uh, all dollar donations up to $12,500 are doubled. So we have already raised $2,820 then Boom. Uh, for this service. And we still have more than a month to go. Um, so please uh, continue to check out that. Uh, fundraiser in our show notes. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Join us and you know, you, you can contribute whether or not you're coming to the, to the screening. This is going to be a great uh, organization and a terrific opportunity to, to make an impact. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm. All right. We have one voicemail and wouldn't you know it? It's from the birthday boy. Let's go. I've been waiting for this. Turning 49 today. This is a big one. The man, the legend. Doompod. Jason H. Frodo, this is Corey from Austin. I was just reading uh, the Wikipedia page on Chapter House, and I'm so glad you guys are covering it and going to talk about it because I got about halfway through the plot, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Obviously, I haven't read up this far, so there's a whole lot of I don't know. So I hope you guys uh, really put your best foot forward here and uh, explain (laughs) this to us. And that way it'll save me the trouble of having to read all the way through Chapter House because I don't think that's going to happen in my <laughs> lifetime. But I don't know. Stranger thing. Anyway, uh, today is actually my birthday, the day that I'm leaving the message, not uh, yes. the day that you guys are recording. Oh, yeah, I will be recording because it's Wednesday. So, yeah, happy birthday to me. So uh, I'm glad you guys are recording. Of course, I might pop into the chat, but I won't listen because I don't like to have my show spoiled for me. I like to listen to it on Monday. So I have all my audio pulls that H works so hard on. All right. Love you guys. Keep up the great work. Bye. Corey. I really want to wish Corey a super happy birthday. He's been such a great supporter of the podcast. Uh, we, we shout his praises every week, but really to like, to spend like, you know, I mean like it's hard to make time to just do this podcast and it's our podcast <laughs> and to have like someone who spends time every week to leave a voicemail is just uh, ridiculously cool. Um, and it's great. The, and so I hope he's having a wonderful birthday today. Uh, and when he listens to this on Monday on his way to work or driving, whatever he's doing, um, I hope you remember what a wonderful birthday you had mm. uh, and that you have a great year. 
We love you, Corey. We'll see you. See you next month. And hopefully this made some kind of sense so he doesn't have to read the book <laughs> and he understands. Yeah, I think, I think you will have a, a completely coherent picture of what happens in this book based on the discussion. Listen to the pod. Listen to the pod. Read the wikis. You'll be fine. It'll all work out. Okay, but I, I have a serious question now. Uh, th- that's it, right? We don't have any that's letters it, that's or voicemails. It. Yeah. But this is this the last time that we ever get to talk to Proto? Is this it? Like he's no. he's no longer allowed no. to come on Dune Pod? This is it. No. It's fucked up. No. Off the pod. Jesus. So ready to ready to announce <laughs> we're continuing the journey. No, I'm not announcing anything. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, Proto's coming. Proto is coming back on to do some Terrence Malick. Oh yeah, we talked about a movie. We did talk about a movie last time he was on. Yes, and uh, yeah, so that's that's going to be quite exciting. People should stay tuned uh, for that to come at a future date. Proto will definitely be back. Okay, I actually am interested in should we tackle other books, other science fiction books hmm. that give us information on the genre um, that we that we could relate that could be interesting. For instance, I think Jason and I both just finished reading Ministry for the Future. I have not read that. Oh, uh, I like. I, I finished reading Hail Mary, okay. uh, the Andy, oh, Andy Weir yeah. book. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I also, I'm also, I also want to shout out the 70 millimeter Discord, the books channel, because uh, I've now also read uh, the Shadow of the Torturer, uh, of the Book of the New Sun quadrology, and that is a fucking. What is that? What is what's Books of the New Sun? What is that? Gene Wolfe. The Book oh, of the New Sun. Oh, wow. Okay. It's a tetralogy set in a far future in which the Earth is dying, told from the perspective of Severin, a uh, torturer's guild apprentice, who uh, is, it's just real dark and fucking weird. It's real weird. It's kind of like China, China Mielville's, like, Perdido Station is, like, the closest thing I've read that's like it, where you're just like, this is a lot of weird shit you're throwing at me. Um, and the conceit of the book of the new sun is that it's like, it was a text that is discovered later and it was being translated into like what were the language that we're reading. That's like Lido's stolen journals. Yeah. It's like Lido's stolen journals. Huh. Yeah. And there's all these weird translations and like weird, like anarchisms of language and like kind of strange neologisms of like Greek and Latin. Um, and it's fucking mm. great. I loved it. And that was a recommendation from the hashtag books channel. Proto, are you a Mayville guy? You did Perdido Street? No, there's I really haven't read a lot of uh science fiction <laughs> words, books. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, even like I know you, you read uh, Annihilation, right? I yeah, oh god. <laughs> I read the first two. The fir- the second one is one of the worst books I've ever read. Right. First one was great. First one first one's pretty good. I wouldn't say it's great. It's good. Mm. Um it's interesting. Second one was beyond bad. Mm. What I read the first book of um oh, what's that called? Ready Player One. No, it's like the three sun <laughs> oh the three body problem. Oh the three oh. body problem. Oh, is it good? That was super cool. I only re- yeah. I wanted to keep reading that, but I never got around to the the next books. Obama recoed that one. There's so much that I haven't read um, that I would I would love to. Re- I've read a bunch of Philip K. Dick, but that's kind of that's really it. Mm. Three Body Problems, great. You can jump into the sequel without remembering anything because it basically doesn't matter. Like the it, it's it's like those books are really more about like the concepts than it mm-hmm. is about any characters. Um, 
So. I might read that. I might read that uh, starting tomorrow when I finish the other uh, the uh, Ministry of the Future because they're working on the Netflix show and I want to watch it before I get too close to it. This is the point where I would typically ask you, Proto, what you have to plug, but I'm going to plug on your behalf. Thank you. So Proto has the greatest film podcast in production right now, mm. 70 millimeter starring mm. Proto Lexus, famous artist, Danny Haas and slim who will be here in two weeks to talk John Carpenter. Um, this podcast is absolutely amazing. The production and the friendship and most especially the community that they have created. You join their Patreon. It's four bucks a month. It is the best $4 you will spend. Their discord is incredible. And, I'm so excited because tomorrow we get to wake up, Jason, and we are doing in the VHS Village uh, Discord, we are doing oh, yeah. a Dune book club, the first part, book one. Um, so that's going to be an amazing discussion with folks who are just reading this for the first time. And I just, I encourage anyone who is not a listener of 70 millimeter, listen to it. Just download an episode and check it out. Start with the latest and then consider joining the village um, because it's an amazing place. We've sent, we've sent, there's been a couple, at least two or three Dune Pod listeners who've become 70 millimeter patrons. Yes. Uh, so it's a, it's a gateway drug. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Aj. That's, that's very kind of you. Uh, yeah. And the, the whole book club thing, uh, I mean, it's great seeing people read um, Dune for the first time. You know, it's mm-hmm. all over social media, but even just, yeah, in the Discord, you know, people being excited about it. Uh, you know, getting hooked on Dune, you know, uh, working their way through the beginning and until they get to the, uh, you know, they really get hooked on it. Um, so exciting times mm-hmm. for Dune everywhere. Yep. You know, I, I say I just from having this discussion for the last hour, like I feel like I have bottomed out on all of the problems with Dune. And now I've got Chapter House and the rest of the second trilogy behind me. And now I can just go enjoy the movie. And yeah, like the next seven weeks are going to be the greatest weeks. It's going to be amazing. It was kind of wild. Like I re I basically finished Chapter House for the podcast for this episode and then started reading Dune book one again, like for the book club. And it was like it was such like a refreshing, like kind Mm. of, you know, like dive back into cool water. So I'm like, oh yes, no, this is really good. This shit is great. Like (laughs) the 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 first book is in fact quite good. Um so yeah, I'm really excited to talk about it tomorrow with folks who are who've just finished reading the first part part. For, you know, the first part of the book um, for the first time. So very well, cool. Let's get after it. Let's get after it. All right. Well, I think we did it, you guys. Woo. Phew. Proto, thank Woo. you for staying up late, managing your children, all like all of that. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. My two-year-old just appeared for uh, about 10 minutes. I don't know where he came from, but he was, that was like a, for... a midnight, a midnight show up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's midnight here. So I don't know what that's about, but <laughs> we lock ours in his room. So that doesn't happen. <laughs> It's a good strategy. It works. It works 100%. And that's it for this episode of Dune Pod. I want to thank Jason and Proto for taking this entire journey the last 18 months with me. Next week, we go off the deep end with John Woo's sci-fi action freakout starring John Travolta and Nicolas Cage. Face off. If you're enjoying the show, check out our Discord server where you can sign up to join us at the Dune Pod IMAX private screening of Dune, 
on opening night in San Francisco. A link is in the show notes. You can find our full movie set list on Letterboxd. And if you want to support them by upgrading to pro or patron status, use promo code DUNEPOD at checkout to save 20%. DUNEPOD is a tape deck podcast, John, a production of H Industries. Our artwork is by Catcher. Our transcripts are provided by Sophie Shin. And our theme music was composed by Toby Forsman of Whipsong Music. The episode was produced and edited by me, H. Thanks for listening. We'll see everybody next week. Thank you.